Uh, we want to dive into the scripture, dive into the word of God because there's power in the word. Every time we open the scripture, I want you to expect the supernatural strength and, 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 and awesomeness of God to just surge in and through you. Boy, we got to see the word for what it is. This is a word of God. It is divinely inspired, breathed. It has the breath of God in it. You know, God took clay and with his breath, he made mankind. And that same breath comes from his word into our lives. So you may be dry and there may be some dirty areas of your life and there may be some crust about your life right now, but let the breath of God come in through his word and bring life into that area and, 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 and to purge and to sanctify and to raise up with the Zoe life and that sozo manifest of his word in us. Amen. He sent his word and he healed us. He healed us. There's healing in his word. There's deliverance in his word. There's salvation in his word. There's power in his word. I wish somebody would get happy and say, let's get in the word. Amen. Amen. Let's look in the book of uh, Colossians, New Testament. We're still on our Merry Christmas theme. And uh, tonight as we are looking at Merry Christmas we're going to be under that looking at God's awesome plan. God's awesome plan. And we're going to be looking at the three stages of God's awesome plan. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. I want you to take joy right here because you and I, through Jesus Christ, been sanctified, we've been justified, and we've been, we are now the saints of God. We are kings and priests. So this mystery that has been hidden, this mystery for generations and generations and ages past had all wanted to be a partaker of this mystery, but it was hidden from them. But now it's been revealed to us. I, I don't think sometimes we realize just the precious treasure we have in having the whole gospel, the whole gospel, here, Genesis to the book of Revelation, we have the uninterrupted and the holy inspired gospel revealed to us. Verse 27, to them God willed to make known that are the riches, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. We know that you and I, the Gentiles, had been grafted into the vine, that all the promises of God, the covenants of God, are now, uh, we've been grafted in. Uh, Galatians 3 tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for cursed is he who hangs on a tree, so that, so that the blessing of Abraham may come even to us, the Gentiles, so we can be partakers of this divine mystery that has been hidden from ages past, but now God willed, it is God's will, to make it known. And this word known means to make it manifest, not just head knowledge, but where you know and you're walking in that truth. You're walking in that glory. You're walking in that divine presence. So to, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I want us to kind of take a picture, uh, a wide shot view of the word of God and realize that from the beginning uh, to the end, there's been a lot of things that have transpired from God creating man, Satan getting involved in the picture, the fall of man, 
but then the restoration of man and now what you and I have in being called to be justified in him and to now walk as though we'd never sinned, walk in the fullness of what God has for us. See, at creation, God breathed his breath into man. And when God did that, he gave us life and he gave us his image and he gave us his life and he gave us his peace and he gave us his power which was dominion over all the earth. He said, I give that unto you. And he gave us his expressed love in, in creating even a bride, a helpmate for man. And we know the story how man disobeyed God and, and through this uh, disobedience and it breached this bond that was between man and God and opened the door for curses to come in. And before we stand here and throw any stones at Adam or Eve tonight, let us look into our own lives and realize that there have been areas in our lives that we've been disobedient as well. And when we disobey the plan of God for our lives and, and we kind of listen to what the devil is tempting us to do and we kind of lean his way and we move in rebellion towards him, we open up the door for the enemy to come in and to violate us to violate our destiny and try to derail us so that we can never finally fulfill God's purpose for our lives. So disobedience is something that the enemy has been tempting mankind to do in going away from God rather than towards God ever since the beginning. Now, when this happened with Adam and Eve, we know immediately they go and they see themselves as naked, they're ashamed, they're hiding themselves from God. This breach is, is evident. And that breach goes through their uh, generations that follow after them as we see their first sons. The two sons are fighting and, and, and one kills the other out of jealousy uh, because that breach of that separation from God brought them, derailed him from God's plan and now he's starting to manifest the will of Satan on earth. When we're not walking with God, no matter uh, if we realize it or not, we become instruments of unrighteousness rather than instruments of righteousness. That's why disobedience is such a dangerous thing. We are to simply obey the Lord and obey the authorities that He has placed over us. We don't, we don't have the wisdom they have. We don't have the responsibility they have. But we know that we can trust those authorities that God has put over us. But when the enemy comes in, he wants to get us to break with the authorities that are over us and break ultimately with God so that he can get us isolated, he can get us pulled out of our uh, path and destiny so then he can start bringing this destruction in our lives. So we see that the separation took place and in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, there's the first, you might would say, stage that we're talking about tonight where they saw God as the God who is out there. So when you read the Old Testament, except for a few occasions, especially David and his writings, you're going to see most of them referring to God who is out there. Uh, they would pray, oh God out there, come over here, or dear God, help me to get over there. Now we find for uh, how the enemy wants to still make us believe that God is out there and, and, and it's seen and evident in the way we pray at times as well. Well, where we say, God, draw me nearer. God, up there, I need help down here. And we, we see God is away from us. God is distanced from us or we are distanced from Him. That's an Old Testament mindset when we have this mindset that God is out there. 
And uh, it is man who put him there. It is our disobedience and our rebellion that puts him in that distance of our mind. Uh, just like when Adam and Eve made a conscious choice to disobey God, their decisions uh, caused them and their generations to follow after them, to live on a toxic dump of centuries of disastrous decisions that we see throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, and even into our very lives today if we're not careful, where we see God has been removed from us and... Uh, and now we even see in this day and age where there are those that won't taught in our schools and want to be the, 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 the basic thought of, of our society that there is really not even a God. He is not a God that's out there. He just doesn't even exist at all. But the good news is God refused to let our bad choices end the story. Somebody needs to say, thank you, Jesus, because every one of us in here have made some bad decisions. You can have your halo on if you want tonight, but I guarantee you if we did uh, some auditing of your life, we would find that you as I have all made some bad decisions and thank God he refuses to let our bad decisions end the story. God is a God of a second chance. God is a God of a third chance, a fourth chance. Do you hear what I'm saying? So the Bible is the account, if I could say it this way, of God progressively revealing himself again to us to restore to us the second chance to make things right. He wasn't going to leave us separated from him, damned and without hope. He begins to reveal himself to us. But when God began to step from out there into their reality, he terrified mankind. Because this thing about sin makes us see God as a big, bad, mean, powerful, overpowering, uh, you might would say a terrorist in a sense. I mean, he is just scary. He is, he is a God that sends lightning and smokes you. And he's a God that, that he's just angry and, and, and mad all the time. And they were so afraid of God in the Old Testament, they would not even speak his name. They would not even speak his name. They believed that if they were ever in his presence, that they would die there in his presence. And he gave them ten simple and reasonable commands, and they could not even keep them. Do you remember the story? It was with fear that they brought sacrifices to the temple, and before that, the tabernacle. They would bring their sacrificial lambs and their birds to atone for their sin and seek God's favor and His forgiveness, and they would return home the same sinner they had been before they ever left home. Nothing had changed, and nothing was going to change. His righteousness and His justice it quickened our appetite for a closer relationship with him. God was not going to leave us separated. So God began to move and he began to put a hunger and a thirst in us so that we would want to draw to him and want to get to know him. And the enemy's fighting that with everything that he can. And it seemed that the door was closed and it could not be opened from our side and there was nothing we could ever do to open up to God. And, and uh, so God did something that is so magnificent that it's celebrated all over the world even today. That this eternal God chose to enter into our tiny three-dimensional world. So this is how God then moves and opens the heaven and says, I open the door and he comes to us in a way not to terrify us, not to scare us, but he comes and makes himself available to us as an infant. 
Now the whole world celebrates and they sing of the silent night and they sing of old little town of Bethlehem and they sing of the bright star and they sing of the wise men and they sing of Frosty. Oh, he wasn't there. And they sing of these different things all over the world and many don't even realize why they sing that. It, but it's because we were separated from God. We were terrified of God. We felt there was no way we would even attempt to open the door to reach out to God and hear God made a way when there seemed to be no way. And he came to us as a little tiny baby. That's stage number two where God is now with us. Yes, the eternal God stepped into a three-dimension, our three-dimensional world as a little baby. And we held God and we played with God and we tried to make him laugh and we did goo-goo-goo and all, all the things we do with babies was done with Jesus, I'm sure. And in fact, he lived with us for 30 years and we had no idea that he was God. He grew up in our midst and we, we saw him as just the, the good carpenter who could make no mistakes. His furniture not, didn't ever have a flaw in it. He was an amazing, amazing son. He was an amazing carpenter. He was an amazing friend, but they did not even know that he was God, just a carpenter. But then we found out when he was really God and it seemed to be too late. He wasn't like the gods uh, uh, who we, they had, we'd seen uh, societies worship all, all leading up even to that time. He wasn't that angry God that some of the prophets had spoken of. He, he didn't condemn us. He, he didn't come to damn us. He didn't come to uh, uh, force us into forced slavery. No, rather, he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. Boy, did we have it wrong. Did we not have it wrong? The enemy had played with our minds and made us think that God was mad with us and God was going to damn us and destroy us and every cancer and every pain and every suffering, it was a plan and it was sent to us straight from God to punish us. And then we find out that God is trying to get to us without scaring us off by giving us His own son as a little baby growing up among us. And then when it seems it's too late and we realize that He is God with us, then we see that he's not that kind of God at all. Rather, he's not come to be served, but to serve. Emmanuel, God with us. It's, it's almost too good to be true. Did you know what? That's what the gospel literally means in its original language. In the Greek, it means, uh, it means that which is too good to be true, but it's true. Something that seems too good to be true, but it is true. That's the gospel. And this is the gospel in a, in a nutshell. And, and, and if it had just stopped here, it would be an inspiring story that we could put on Hallmark Channel with a movie. God is a baby coming to dwell among us, living uh, uh, and, and, and eventually dying for us, and on the third day rising for us and promising to come back for us. It would have been an inspiring story. But I need for you to know that the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that story in itself empowers no one. So if we stand here coming up on this Christmas week and we uh, relish in the story and we celebrate in the story alone, let me tell you what, it helps no one. Because we see that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Him walking among His disciples for those 40 days, we see that the disciples are still cowering behind closed doors. They've got the whole story. They've got God, yes, He was out there. 
But now He has come to be with us. He is Emmanuel. They've had these post-resurrection appearances infuse them, but it did not give them enough courage or power to even open the doors and come out of hiding. It's going to take more than His resurrection. It's going to take more than His death. It's going to take more than His birth. It's going to take more than His ascension. It's going to take more than that to propel the remarkable salvation that God has given to us down through all of the coming centuries into the world. So we can't stop at stage two. We need stage three. And stage three is not God out there or God with us, but God in us. Do you hear what I'm saying? So as we celebrate this Christmas season and we celebrate, yes, God came, Emmanuel, God with us, but it must not stop there. That's not the end of the story. We must see that if we're going to have an impact on our family and if we're going to have an impact on our community, if we're going to have an impact on our uh, uh, society that we live in, we must go to stage three where it is God in us. Hallelujah. See, stage three began with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, we read in the book of Acts chapter 2, where everyone in that second story room in Jerusalem, even the children, knew that this was a supernatural wind was announcing the coming of the power and the presence of God now to dwell in us. Hallelujah. And it leaped from their history into their very present age, and it was the literal presence of God of their fathers coming as fire. I think it's amazing why uh, going back to see that it was John the Baptist in Matthew 3 and 11. Did he not say, I indeed baptize you with water but uh, under repentance, but he who is coming after me, who's mightier than I am, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He was preparing them that this God with us is also now going to be a God in us. He's going to bring us, He's going to baptize us, He's going to fill us with His presence and with His fire. See, fire for centuries proclaimed the presence and the power of God for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob. It was with Moses in the wilderness where it was a fire, the pillar of fire by night, the presence of God with them even in the night hour and the power of God with them even in the night hour. I'm here to encourage each and every one of you who are listening that yes, Jesus Christ did come to be with us. He is Emmanuel. But He also, as He was ascending into the heavens, He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you get God in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I've made provision that I'm sending my Holy Spirit and I'm going to not be only on you, but I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to fill the house. I'm going to fill the temple. Your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Can you imagine here? I don't think they could have never imagined what would happen where these pieces of fire broke off and came to rest upon each of their heads. We are not only in a corporate uh, relationship with God, but I'm here to tell you we are in an individual relationship with God. That we're not to just come and bask and, and praise God for God coming and being with us and being out there and with us, but we need to get that intimate relationship, open our hearts and open our minds and open our homes and open our lives for the fire of God and the presence of God to separate and set upon each of us that we have that intimate relationship with this Savior. We have this intimate relationship with the power. We have this intimate relationship with the presence of God. Hallelujah. Man, this is beyond belief. He is on them as we see in the upper room and then He moves in them. All of them. Do you get it? And, 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 the, and He tells us it was the men and it was the women, and it was the children, and it was the old, and it was the young. No one was left out. 
No one was preferred over another. It was all of them. Hallelujah. So that means no matter where you fit in the linear uh, uh, alignment of time and the chronos of time, you can celebrate that God is not here to be in you. He wants to live in you. He wants to work through you. He wants to manifest His glory in and through our lives. Hallelujah. And once this happened, things changed. These disciples who were cowering behind closed doors couldn't take the gospel message, couldn't take the resurrection message outside the doors. They couldn't tell even their neighbor outside their door about Jesus. Now we see there's a power in them to accomplish something they could not do before. And Peter, Peter gets up and he reaches back 800 years into Israel's history to a little book in Joel. And, and he begins to quote in, in, in it in Acts 2, 16 and following. And he says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my maidservants and on my uh, men servants and maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. So now Peter, with his power in him, is, is bringing forth the revelation, bringing forth that the glory of God is for everyone. See, you're not to go through this Christmas season trying to just get by, not just trying to make it happen and not putting on a fake front. Let me tell you what, you have the glory of God available to you with the presence of God. You have the glory of God that lit up the heavens and showed the, those shepherd men how to find baby Jesus. That glory is in you. The glory of God that lit up the heavens and told those wise men how to come from afar and find the little boy Jesus is the glory of God that is in you. We have access to the very presence and the power and the glory of God dwelling in us. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, in these last days, I could say there are three things that are true that maybe have never been true before. And one is that God has formed a prophetic community made up of all male and female, Jews and Greek, and people of all ages, even children. Never had before happened, but now it is. We are in that age. We are in that age. We are a prophetic community. We've got to wake up to who we are in Christ. We've got to wake up to who we are with the presence and the power of God dwelling and living and flowing in and through us. We are not just people counting the days and, 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 and counting the chronos of the calendar and marking our days off hoping to live another day. We are here to make a difference. We are here to change this world. We are here to turn that which is upside down, right side up. We are here to be the agents of God, the agents of change. You've got to see who you are. And you have the glory in you. You have the power in you. You have the manifest nature of God in you trying to flow through you so quench not the Holy Spirit. Second thing is there are signs in the heavens of a world falling apart. He said that in these last days. That there will be signs in the heavens of this world, this, this, this literal world that we see this falling apart. But he goes on to close it out by saying in these last days, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone. Anyone. That's what the Word of God says. When do people tend to call on the name of the Lord to be saved? When their world's falling apart. Exactly. 
when their world's falling apart. In these last days, he says the world's falling apart. Let me tell you what, you may be here tonight, you may be tuning in, you may be listening and your world is falling apart, but I'm here to bring a message of hope. I'm here to bring a message of overcoming. I'm here to bring a message straight from God to you. And that is when your world is falling apart, you've got a name that you can call on. There's a Savior that you can call on. Yes, He came as a baby, grew up and He went to a cross and He died as a man. He was buried, He was resurrected and He ascended on high, but that's not the end of the story. Stage 3 is the end of the story where He's now come to dwell in us and to flow through us and when your world is falling apart you can call on him and you can see the salvation of God which is zozo in the uh, Greek language which means the healing and the deliverance and the prosperity and the mending of broken things that will take place everything in your life can be impacted by the power of God hallelujah yes people call on the Lord when every day when they're broken and they're hurting in their lives, calling out in the midst of their great pain and their heartache, and that's okay. He said there's going to be signs that the world is falling apart, but in the midst of that you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. I'm here to encourage you tonight. You can call on His name. I've heard people call on Him in prayer in times of distress. I've heard people uh, call on Him even with cursing on their lips. It's amazing to even hear the blend of the two where they curse and they pray all in the same breath, calling out because their life is totally falling apart. And, and uh, where others may hear that and may be turned off by it or others may hear it and sympathize or, or ignore it, let me tell you what, the ear of God hears the call unto Him. Because he is a God that is not standoff. He's not a God that was going to allow the enemy to steal his creation from him. But from day one, he has made a way. And he's been moving, progressing through time. God out there coming to be God with us. Now becoming God in us so that he could reconcile us. And do a work of glory to his honor through us. Praise God. We are to be filled with the spirit of God which is the Spirit of Christ. You could say it's the Spirit of Christmas or Christmas. I mean, we're to be filled with that. And what better time than this week? Come on now. We're going to have opportunity with family and friends and folks in the marketplace like we've not had before. I have been run down with folks with Merry Christmas. They have been running me down. There is an open door. There is an open ear. And we the church, we need to step up and say, yes, Jesus is here. And Jesus wants to fill you with His Spirit. And He wants to work His power in you to take anything that's messed up and fix it. Praise God. God in you. When God is in you, this is a challenge I want to give to everyone. Because like I said, we'll probably have opportunity in witness this week like we've not had in a long time. Maybe had it at Thanksgiving, I'm not sure. But when God is in us, we are to hear what He hears. So don't listen to the hustle and the bustle of the time. Don't listen to all of the, the, the uh, noise, if I could say that, of this season until you first listen to what God in you is saying. When God is in us, we hear what God hears. We feel what God feels. I believe that's why there's an there's a, a unprecedented attack of the enemy to come against us in our emotions. 
during holiday seasons because it's during these times of the year. He is trying to keep us from, from feeling what God feels. He wants us to, he comes and he slams our toe with a big rock so that we're jumping around and all we're feeling is the pain in our toe and the enemy's laughing because we're not feeling what God feels and we're caught up in our own pain. I'm here to tell you we all have pain. But the good news is this, God is a healer. And we can, instead of being caught up in our own pain and isolating ourselves from God and others, let us embrace our God, our healer, who can take our pain away and then use us to bring pain relief to others. Because there are hurting people in this world. And they need the kindness. They need the generosity. They need the warm, tender touch of the hand of God. And that's your hand. God is in us. We feel what he feels. We're supposed to see what he sees. So if we'll see what he sees, and let me tell you, you have access to the divine wisdom of God and presence of God. You can see what he sees. So if you've got someone trying to steal from you, maybe under the guise of a story that uh, sounds all uh, as one that you should sympathize for, just say, God, I want to see what you see. I don't want, I don't want to get, get uh, caught under uh, the, the, the lie of the enemy because he's just trying to get me away from you. So, Lord, instead of seeing all this, let me see what you see that I can respond to that. Because with God in us, we hear what he hears, we feel what he feels, we see what he sees, and we are to do what he does. When Jesus was here as a 33-year-old man, he was the embodiment of the anointing. The anointing is called the Christ, the Christos. It's the anointing. It's not Jesus' last name, okay? So when Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, I'm sending the comforter, I'm sending the parakletos, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, my spirit, and now you will be my body of the anointing. Now this body's going to heaven, but now all of you will make up my body of the anointing. So that's why we are called Christ, Christians, the anointed ones, the bodies of Christ that have his anointing. We carry his anointing. So when God wants to turn the world right side up, he's going to use us. But the devil tells us to sit back and let God do it. And God says, my anointing is in you, not on you, not outside of you, not out there, but now in you to flow through you. So I could say there's a fourth stage, and that is to, he's not only in us, but he's to flow through us. Amen? Maybe you hear someone whose world is falling apart, and they're calling out to be rescued or saved. Let me tell you what, God sees that. We should see that. God hears that. We should hear that. God is there to bring eternity to them, and we should be willing to bring eternity to them. Amen? These are encounters. This is what identifies us as the church. It's our moments when the gifts of the Spirit, when God is given to us, now we can use those gifts and let those gifts flow through us to change the world around us. Hallelujah. Man, God has given us so many gifts. There's, a, there's the fruit of the Spirit, and then there's the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, and, and what beautiful gifts they are. 
We see the fruit of the Spirit. This is straight. You're talking about gift giving? God gave us these gifts. When the Spirit of God comes in us, there's love. The Holy Spirit brings love. It's His fruit. He brings love. He brings joy. He brings peace. He brings patience. He brings kindness. He brings goodness. He brings faithfulness. He brings gentleness. He brings self-control. This isn't something you have to man up and, or woman up to have enough uh, willpower to make happen. These are gifts of the Spirit. And if you realize the Spirit of God in you has brought these gifts and you will open these gifts, how, how shameful it would be uh, and ineffective it would be for you to buy gifts for your children and your children not even open them up and use them and still go around struggling when in that gift box is something that would keep them from struggling. It's a gift that you bought for them, but they'll just never use it. And in the same way, you and I with God in us, wanting to flow through us, He has provided the fruit of the Spirit. He's provided these beautiful gifts that we have. We don't have to try and love. We don't have to try and fake it till we make it with joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness, faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. I'm telling you, these, we just need to open the gifts. Open the gifts. Let the fruit flow through us, in us, and around us, and, and give God the praise for it. Because this is the power of the Spirit of God, what He is bringing through our lives. And He also brings these gifts to us. And these gifts of the Spirit that you read about in the book of Corinthians where He says He would bring us words of knowledge and words of wisdom and, and, and faith and healings and miracles and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are gifts that the Spirit of God has deposited in us. With God in us, this is available to you. And these are not just for you, for self-consumption. These are, they're, they're, they're without, an in, there's an endless supply. So we are to share them with others. We're to share words of wisdom with others. Yes, God gives us words of wisdom, but we're to share words of wisdom with others. We're to share, word, share words of knowledge with others. We are to not only uh, uh, use the faith and, and grow in the faith that we have, but we're to speak into other people's lives and help share with them the hope of glory so that their faith will rise, to share with them the Word of God, that their faith may be strengthened. And healings, healings are in us. And many times we may not see as many healings around us because we're still waiting for healing to manifest in us. I tell folks in the healing room, when they come through for training, I tell them, they say, you know what? I'm still dealing with arthritis. I don't know that I should be in the healing rooms praying for folks. I said, you need to be frontline praying for folks. Do you believe in healing? Yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus by stripes 2,000 years ago provided for your healing? Yes, I do. Do you believe that from Isaiah where he uh, took stripes upon his back for our healing? to Peter when Peter says by his stripes we were healed that it's a past tense it's done deal yes I do do you believe God sent his word and healed all of our diseases yes I do do you believe it's God's will that we not forget his benefits he even tells us not to forget his benefits where in his benefits he's one of them he says he heals all of our diseases do you believe that yeah so is it God's will to heal yes did Jesus ever tell anyone no you stay in your sickness no do you find any record where Jesus said I'm not going to heal you you will not find a record in the scripture that says that. So why in the world would you not by faith begin to pray for folks for healing? You say, because I've got arthritis. Do you believe that arthritis has been healed? Yes. Are you waiting for the manifest of it? Yes. So if God's not a man that he should not lie, why would you not go and offer someone else the healing virtue of Christ so that they could get in alignment, begin to wait for, man wait for the manifest of their healing too? And they're like, well, that makes perfect sense. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Because let me tell you what, God's word is true. Hallelujah. So healings and miracles. 
I want to stir the church. I want to shake your church. I want you to believe God for miracles. And the miracles are not out there and you're calling them in. Oh, I need a miracle of finances. I need a miracle of deliverance. I need a miracle of whatever. No, God is not out there. God is not out there. Yes, He came and dwelt among us and is with us, but now He's in us. The miracle is in you. So now you need to release that miracle. I release the miracle of the supernatural provision of God. I declare the miracle of God that's going to set me free from this bondage uh, be manifest in my life today. You need to release the miracle in your life and pray for others and encourage others and stir their faith to believe for miracles as well. Because God, whether you like it or not, and whether you ever receive one or not, God's still going to work miracles because that's His nature. It's who He is. He's a miracle-working God. He gives Himself names to show His characteristics and His nature and some of the names that He gives Himself. He says, I'm a God that heals. I'm a God that delivers. I'm a God that provides. That's just who I am. If I'm going to be a part of it, that's who I am. Now, if you don't want me to be a part of it, He says, then you're on your own. See how that works out for you. But God is a supernatural, miracle-working God. Hallelujah. And in prophecy, let me tell you what, where you can share forth the truth of God that will shine a light in a dark place for someone that they now see where to step and see how to walk in the way of the Lord. We need to, we need to start. You say, but I may be a little off. I take, Get a little off so God can get you on. Don't live in fear and never say anything. You, start, you say, well, what if I say something wrong? Say the word of God, you won't say anything wrong. Start prophesying by prophesying the Word of God. Why you got to make it up? You think what you make up is better than what God said? Oh, you make it all spooky sounding and all dreamy sounding and all this and that and the other sounding and that gets people titillated and, and, and they get their attention. But let me tell you what, is there power in that? Or is there power in the Word? I tell you what, I like to give people the Word. Now, if God gives me a dream to give somebody, I'm going to tell them that what the Lord gave me to do. If God gives me a word that uh, is not directly out of the Scripture, I'm going to give it to them. But I didn't start out that way because I was very nervous and I didn't want to offend God and I didn't want to do anything wrong. But then the Lord says, I didn't tell you to make anything up. I just told you to tell the good news. I just told you to prophesy this which is alive in print. When you prophesy and someone will hear it and believe it, it becomes a, a reality in their life. I'm like, wow, I can do that. And you can do that. Discernment. When God is in us, that's a gift. It's a gift. You don't have to say, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared. Is this the right business decision? Is this the right decision in education? Is this, I'm scared. I'm scared. Stop talking like that. Say, I'm a man of faith. Or if you're a woman, I'm a woman of faith. Don't say either or. You're one or the other. And... Uh, and it's very clear which one, you know. So you say, I'm this. I am of the Lord. And I have God in me. And one of the gifts of His Spirit in me is discernment. I can discern. I can know what Spirit is lying to me and what the Spirit of God is saying is true. I can know between what uh, Satan is trying to twist the Word of God and I can know the Word of God that is true. I can discern because I have supernatural access of the gift in me and I'm going to use it and I'm not going to not do what God's called me to do and saying I was scared I was going to make the wrong decision. See, it takes away the paralysis of analysis and we can move forward in the short time that we have because even if you live to be 120 years old, that's a short time compared to eternity. And we can move forward and we can accomplish what our divine assignment is. You have a divine assignment. You have a divine assignment. Oh, pastor has one. I do. 
but you do too. You have a divine assignment. And the God in you, through the gift of discernment, will help you to walk out and fulfill that. And tongues and interpretation of tongues. Let me tell you what, God wants to supernaturally, always supernaturally keep it at the level where he communicates with us. And the unbeliever comes in and, and the Bible says there he uses tongues with interpretation of tongues that gets the attention of the unbeliever and wake, it wakes up something. It's, a, it's like there's a blinder over their eyes they don't even realize is over their eyes. And we do just the opposite. We invite our friend to church, our unsaved friend that's at work or whatever, and we invite them to church, and we pray that sister so-and-so don't shout and dance the aisle. And we pray, brother so-and-so don't, don't get to shouting out and speaking in tongues and, and giving an interpretation. We want it to be a calm service, right? And God's just the opposite. We need to fill these pews. We need to fill these chairs with unbelievers so that we can start seeing some of the supernatural manifest of tongues and interpretation. Prophecy is those for the believers, but tongues with interpretation, he says, for the unbelievers. It's something God chose to use. See, God created these uh, unbelievers. He created them not to be unbelievers. He created them. His, his stamp of DNA is on them. He knows what will turn them on or open their eyes or open their ears. He knows. But we're over here trying to be all cool and, and 21st century religious, uh, 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 you know, cool about it. So we're like, no, we want to look cool and, and everybody, we, our coolness is going to draw people and change their lives. Yeah, right. These folks need the supernatural manifest of God just like we do in their lives. See, the gifts of the Spirit are not the prophetic, uh, for the prophetic community to indulge itself with. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You almost have a prophetic uh, uh, potluck. And they just come and indulge and indulge all among themselves. And, 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 and that's not really what the gift is for. We live in a world that's fallen apart. And God has a plan to put it back together. And that plan is in us, his presence, his gifts, his power, when used properly, brings forth the manifest of that. Praise God. So you say, well, thank God I've got these gifts. How are they released? They're released the same way Jesus released his ministry and gifts. He would say to people, how can I serve you? Is there anything I can do for you? There's power in those questions because it will call someone to stop and to engage you and say, you know, I really do need some help in this area. And it opens the door for you to just let the gifts of God and the power of God flow through you. And you begin to offer the supernatural presence of God and His presence. One is S-E-N-C-E and the other one is S-E-N-T-S. So you're releasing his presence and his presence when you engage with people. And you don't have to get preachy in doing that. The good thing is you do better when you're not preachy in doing that. Hallelujah. I think it's time for stage three Christianity to take place. I believe we should move beyond some stylized production designed to inspire believers and attract a few sinners, but, but we need to become a functioning prophetic community who strategically is placed in the world and we're open for business. 
that we as Christians, we're open for business. And you say, well, well is my warehouse going to supply? Your warehouse is in you. Your warehouse is God Himself in you. The Spirit of God, without, you cannot, He is without end. He is without exhaustion. He is, he is Almighty God. He is infinite in you that wants to flow through you. I pray that you would go through this Christmas week and into this new year saying, I'm open for business, for the supernatural manifest of the God who lives in me with his love and his goodness and his kindness and his salvation to flow through me to impact the lives of those around me. John 14, 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hallelujah. So I ask you, did Jesus bring the hope of salvation to the lost? Your answer is yes. I ask you, did Jesus use faith to meet physical needs? You know, there was the two fish and the five loaves. Look what he did there. You remember the coin in the fish's the fish mouth uh, that met the need there? Did Jesus uh, meet physical needs? Yes. Did Jesus heal the sick? The answer is yes. Did Jesus encourage the downtrodden? The answer is yes. Did Jesus inspire the hopeless? The answer is yes. Yes. So Mark 16, 15, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe tonight? Do you believe the word of God that God is now in you? That his, 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 this is the hope of glory. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the glory. Jesus Christ, the anointing, his presence and his Holy Ghost is in you. He said, well, these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink deadly things and by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Everything the, plan, the devil has planned against you to poison your life and to come in as a serpent as he did with Eve and Adam. I'm telling you, he says, the devil can't stop you. He won't hurt you. Isn't that what Jesus said? All authority has been given to me and now I give you all authority over all the power of the enemy and he by no means shall hurt you. He's under your feet. Isn't that what he said? He said, this is the, these are the signs that follow those who believe. They're running demons off. They're setting people free. They're healing people. They're working miracles with people. And the devil's trying to stop them, but he can't stop them. He can't even hurt them. They're laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. That's who we are. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, and I'll close with this. In my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom. Paul said, I didn't come and try to entice you with all these powerful, big, persuasive words and, and, and all this reasoning of man. He says, but the preaching, the proclamation of this gospel has gone forth with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. People around us need to see the power of God, but before they're going to see the power of God flowing through us, we got to believe the power of God is in us. Where is our faith? We are, we are temples carrying the very... We're carrying the Holy of Holies. We're carrying the, the Ark of the Covenant. We're carrying all of... We're carrying the very presence of God in us. The glory of God in us. The healing virtue of Christ in us. The provision of God in us. we got to believe that. 
Because if we who carry it don't believe it and are discouraged, then the world around us will never ever have the opportunity to, in a broken world to call on the name of Him who we're not even sharing because we're too ashamed because we're still believing that God is still maybe with us, but He's not in us. We're hiding behind the door. Yes, He's resurrected. Yes, He was born. Yes, He's ascended on high. Yes, he, all of that happened, but we're still hiding behind the door. But let me tell you what, when God got in them, Peter gets up and says, no more hiding, no more cursing, no more denying. He said, it's time to step it up front and step up center and start releasing what's in me to you. And 3,000 lives were changed that day. And Peter is no man that God is a, a respecter of man, no respecter of man. That, that was Peter. Let me tell you, God wants to do great things through you. But you got to believe. Yes, God is out there. But he's not remained out there. He came and dwelt among us. He is with us. But he's not only with us. He is in us. And he's not only wanting to stay in us. He wants to flow through us. I pray that the greatest Christmas present that people are going to receive this year is going to be the revelation of the glory of God that comes to them through you. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, help us to turn the switch on, our faith switch, and step up and say, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God, you dwell in me. God, and if, if anybody, I pray God, if anybody doubts that, that they would, they would ask you. And you said if we would ask for the Holy Ghost, you're not like a father who a good father would give his son uh, not a stone for fish and, and not a serpent for, for the other. But Lord God, you much, how much for if an earthly father would give, a heathenistic father would give his son good gifts, how much more will you give the gift of the Holy Ghost to those who ask? So God, I pray if there's anyone here in doubt tonight that they have God in them, that they would ask you right now. And they would say, Father God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your presence. Fill me. I open the doors of this temple and I say, God, let it be the temple of your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence and be God in me. And then make a promise to him right now. God, with you in me, I want to be more sensitive to hear what you hear. See what you see. Feel what you feel and do what you do. That I might be the carrier of the glory. Lord God, that's the great mystery that we are now the carriers of the glory. The glory of God in us. Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. Folks around us needing the glory of God. Lord God, let us be the vessels that ushers in your glory into their presence. How about make this promise to God in this prayer now. God... Please use me to impact lives this Christmas for your glory. Just make that promise. God, please, I make myself available. I promise, Lord God, if you'll open the doors and you'll show me what to do, you'll let me see what I need to see, feel what I need to feel, hear what I need to hear, and I'll do what you want me to do. But just use me, God, to impact the lives of the less fortunate, the lives 
of those in bondage, the lives of those in pain, the lives of those downtrodden, the lives of those that seemingly are living in despair with hopelessness. Lord, use me to impact their lives for your glory. Let your glory bring forth the change on earth like it is in heaven. This is our promise, God, to you as we close out our time of study of your word and as we go into this week in Jesus' name. Amen.